This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. When uh, when we began this lesson a few weeks ago, I, I used as a text or as a background for that part of the lesson, and I, I want to read that to you today. Found in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there, fine, but uh, basically if you just leave your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we'll get to that eventually. But in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it's very important for us to understand the biblical principles of giving. And uh, we have uh, so far looked at several things or several principles with regards to the matter of giving. So let me just recap briefly. I don't, don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I do want to get to uh, what I have for you today and, and finish up this lesson on giving. But the first thing we looked at in this series, in this lesson, well, it has become a series, hasn't it, uh, is um, why should Christians give? And that is a good question. And so the, the, the uh, points that we gave you under that point were Christians should give because it shows how great God is. When we stop and consider what God did for us, what God has given to us, uh, what we give back to him is penance. But it shows to us when, we, when we're willing to give of that which God has put under our care, under our stewardship, it tells, it tells God how much we think of him and how great he is. Also, uh, God generally, generously gave to us that great gift the gift of eternal life, the gift of his own son. Um, we can't comprehend that. And then giving promotes godliness. And we spent some time this because the text I just read, one of the verses I just read, Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then next, uh, giving causes others to praise God. We found that uh, in this uh, offering that is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapters 8 and 9, it says, therefore, the, the, the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Uh, when we give, it gives us an opportunity, and not only us, but those to whom we give two or four gives them an opportunity to praise God. And then also giving brings blessing. Um, I'm going to share with you a verse a little later. comes, uh, Jesus said it, but at the close of this lesson this morning, I want to emphasize a verse that we find in the book of Acts uh, where Peter quotes Jesus and saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We do, we are blessed when we give. There's no question about that. In fact, that's a godly motivation. You remember, I spent quite a little bit of time 
talking about uh, proper motivation and, and improper motivation for giving. And one of the motivations we have for giving is that God rewards us for that. There's much that comes back to us when we're faithful in our giving. And, uh, and then uh, the, the second major point that we looked at in this uh, lesson is what should Christians give? And we could answer that question with just one word. What would that, what would that be? All, everything. Why? It all belongs to God anyway. It's all his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold and silver and all the money. He owns it all. And uh, the heavens and the earth are his and the fullness thereof, the scripture teaches, it all belongs to God. Uh, so we should be willing to give everything back to God. And, um, and then we talked about tithes and offerings, uh, the difference between Old Testament giving and New Testament giving. And this really brings us, uh, almost brings us to our lesson for today. And there is a little difference between New Testament giving and Old Testament giving. Um, it's interesting that nowhere in the New Testament are Christians commanded to give a tithe. Now, I know that goes contrary to what we've been taught all these years, uh, but, but we do use that uh, principle of the Old Testament tithe. And by the way, you recall that there's more than one tithe that was given in the Old Testament. In fact, <clears throat> if you put them all together, it, 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 it amounted to about 40% of the Israelites' income that they actually gave to God. And they gave a tithe of their, their fruit, to the fruit of their, the first fruits, and, and then the fruit of their harvest. They gave a tithe of their flocks. They, there was a temple tithe. There were other tithes, and we talked about that. And I'm, I'm not going to say any more about that because I would be repeating myself significantly. But uh, <clears throat> I believe the important word for New Testament giving is, is uh, as God has prospered us proportionately. And I'm going to talk about that significantly here in just a few moments. Uh, look, it'll put a little bit different perspective on the, on the idea of our giving. Uh, and there's not only Old Testament, New Testament giving, there's sacrificial giving that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, there's generous giving, giving. We ought to be generous in our giving to God. Uh, the principle should guide, that principle should guide our giving, and it should be a, a theme that's printed on every page of our life because it's printed on every page of the New Testament to give generously. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And uh, that was the truth I learned when I was working on the farm. If you put one seed in the ground, if you put one, one, one corn, uh, ear, uh, grain of corn in the ground, you're going to get one stalk of corn. Now there'll be two or three ears on that stalk, and it will multiply. But if you put a lot of grains of corn in the ground, you're going to get a lot of corn. And uh, the principles, that principle holds true in the, in the area of our giving. If you sow sparingly, uh, God's going to give to you sparingly. 
But if you're liberal in that, then uh, God's going to be liberal uh, in giving to you. And then there's faith giving, and we talked about that. The grace giving sometimes is called. But what we're going to talk about is in the realm of New Testament giving today also can be classified as grace giving. But, and that brings us to where I left off. Where should Christians give? It's a good question. Should you give to the television evangelist? Um, should you give to some other parachurch organization? Um, where's the primary place? Where was, it, where was the primary place of giving in the Old Testament? Bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. There was a central place where their giving was, uh, was put. Central place. The storehouse, of course, was the temple. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and all the tithes were brought to the temple. Uh, why? Because it became account. Because there was an accountability then. There's an accountability if you, if there's a central place to bring your 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 gifts, your offerings, your tithes, your offerings. Uh, that adds accountability to our giving. Um, the Bible tells us that the New Testament church is the pillar of the truth. Uh, it's the protector of the truth. And uh, there are some missionaries that uh, people give to that if you really knew what they were doing or what they weren't doing, you wouldn't give them a dime. One time we had, uh, anybody remember J.B. Williams? Does that name ring a bell with anybody? J.B. Williams, uh, he's with the Lord now, but he used to be with Baptist Mid-Missions. In fact, he was the, uh, he, he, was, uh, he and his wife served in, in Africa for years under Baptist mid-missions, and then later in life, they brought him home, and he became a field representative for Baptist mid-missions. He was telling me one time that he was in a missions conference where uh, that, in that conference there was a missionary there presenting his work, pre presenting a work as his work. And... Uh, and he had slides and all kinds, all, all kinds of things to present this work that he was saying was his work. And J.B. Said, JB said he sat there in the service flabbergasted with his mouth hanging open because the work that this missionary was presenting was a Baptist mid-missions work in Africa, and this guy had nothing to do with it. And he did a little research and found out that this man was on a mission field taking a perennial vacation. And now that's dishonest. And, uh, and, and uh, that church was supporting that missionary, and when he shared that with the pastor, the pastor sent the missionary hiking and, and discontinued their, his support, and he should have done that. That's one reason why I believe the, 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 the most important place Put your money is in the local church because there's accountability there. And uh, sometimes we know things about ministries that, uh, that uh, individuals don't have uh, information for. Now, that's not to say that you can't 
support a missionary on your own or some other Christian organization or, or something of that nature. And I'm going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But anyway, where should Christians give? There are two obligations given to us in the Bible as far as our, the place of our giving. Number one, I'm not sure this should be number one, but uh, anyway, for the sake of just listing them. First of all, we have an obligation to take care of our families. That's an obligation. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. So we have to keep in mind that with regards to our finances, we've got to take care of our family. We have to take care of our household. That's a necessity. And that's an obligation placed upon us from Scripture. But there's another place of obligation that the Bible mentions, and that would be the church. Uh, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, let him that is taught in the word communicate or to give or to share with him that teacheth in all good things. And I believe we could go back to that principle that we find in the Old Testament, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, the local place, the central place of gathering. And, uh, well, well <clears throat> what did Paul mean by that? Let him that is taught in the word communicate, and that word communicate means to give to or to share with him that teacheth in all good things. We have an obligation to support our church. We have an obligation to support our pastor. We have an obligation to take good care of our pastor. I have a, I have a message that I, that I developed when I was serving as interim pastor, <clears throat> and I've preached it now and in the three different, actually, I think I've preached it in four different churches. Uh, the three churches that I served as interim pastor, I preached it. It was not a message that I could preach when I was pastoring here. You know, I know we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God, but there are just some things that, that we have to skirt around. And, uh, and uh, for example, the Bible is very clear to the church of how, they're support, how they are support, supposed to support and take care of their pastor. Well, for me as the pastor of the church, the church to stand up in that pulpit and tell you that would sound pretty self-serving, wouldn't it? But when I'm serving as interim pastor in another church trying to, trying to help that church, then I believe it's an obligation for me to inform that church as to how they should take care of the pastor that they're about to call. I haven't preached that message here, but I'm dying to do it. <laughs> and I hope sometime that if you have a pastor appreciation day or something like that, you'll ask your old pastor to come back and preach that message for you to help you fully understand what the scripture teaches about how to take care of a pastor. It's such an important matter. And uh, Pastor Asher couldn't preach it. He, he wouldn't be able to preach that to you. You wouldn't accept it. You'd say, well, sounds like he's looking after his own. Looks like he wants to lie in his pockets with silver or something like that. I, I know how that goes. But anyway, the church is important. And it seems to follow the New Testament practice of the tithing, of, of tithing to support the Levites. 
You know, that's the major part of the tithe. That's what ma the major portion of the tithe that the Old Testament was used for, to support the Levites and the priests and the, tapo, the, the, uh, the temple ministry. And then, the old, and then uh, when they were in the wilderness, the tabernacle ministry. That was one of the basic reasons for it. The Levites really didn't even have an inheritance in, in the land. All the other tribes had inheritance. They were all given property, but not the Levites. God says, don't, do, don't give the Levites anything. Uh, they'll be partakers of the tithes. And so, <clears throat> and so those who taught God's people were supported by those who were taught. Um, a good way to apply this is to say that most of our giving should support the local church because most of our teaching comes from the local church. I know a lot of you listen to BBN and, and uh, Lighthouse, uh, 1010, and uh, those Christian radio stations, and I thank God for them. Um, this, is not, this is not meant as a critical uh, statement at all toward, toward those uh, important uh, outlets of ministry. Uh, but <clears throat> the truth is that uh, um, the local church should be the main place where you support, that you support. When I pastored in Indianapolis, we, we bought, uh, we, we started our church in the back room of a, of a bank. And uh, uh, we started with 30 charter members and we grew to over 300 people. And so we purchased an, an existing building. We purchased it from the Assemblies of God who built a new building out in the suburbs and we bought their old building. And uh, <clears throat> one of the neighbors to that church was a, an old German guy. And uh, he wasn't saved and very critical of the church. And uh, he and I would talk frequently. I witnessed to him several times. But he was, he was very belligerent toward the church. Well, not too far from where our church was, there was a, a big church, uh, the Indianapolis Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, Greg Dixon was the pastor of that church at the time, but they had a, they had a congregation of over 1,000 people. And uh, so we're talking, I'm talking with this neighbor one time, and he begins to criticize Greg Dixon and uh, the uh, Indianapolis Baptist Tabernacle. And he says, do you know how, much, how many thousands of dollars they take in over, every Sunday over there? I said, well, they got thousands of people. And uh, he says, yeah, but is that preacher getting rich? And uh, he just went on and on and on. And uh, he no sooner said that, and he looked up at the gutters on our church, and said, by the way, those gutters need to be replaced. And I got in the flesh a little bit, and I said, it takes money. <laughs> he got the point. <laughs> I said, sir, it takes money to operate a church. And uh, church buildings need to be repaired. The pastor, pastor needs a salary. I don't know what Greg Dixon made. He, uh, I, I don't know what his salary was. And I, but I'm, I'm sure that church took good care of him. And, and they should. They should have, you know. 
Uh, but that's the, that's, the, that's the concept sometimes that the world has of the church. You know, boy, they're taking thousands of dollars there at Good News Baptist Church. Look at all that money they're sending overseas to missionaries. Well, they don't understand ministry, you see. That's their problem. And, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, the local church is, uh, uh, is one of our obligations. And so where should a Christian give? First of all, these obligations. But then secondly, God gives us opportunities. You ever thought about that? There are opportunities that God brings our way for giving. Beyond those two obligations that we have of family and church, we don't actually see any commands of obligation in the Bible beyond the family and the church. However, we do see some descriptions of opportunities that God gives to us of giving. For example, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, we've referred to this, uh, these passages several times. Paul made it clear here, and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, uh, and look at verse 8. Uh, pull it up here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8, you'll, you'll recall that uh, chapter seven and chapters 8 and, and 9 of 2 Corinthians and also into chapter 10, Paul deals with a special offering that was being taken by the churches of Macedonia for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Uh, the Jerusalem church at this point had been under severe attack, under severe persecution. Uh, all of the apostles had been, had been uh, all of the uh, uh, people had been scattered throughout the course of the world. And God used that scattering, that dispersion, to get the gospel out. I mean, he sent out all those evangelists. But anyway, that church was in severe shape financially because of the persecution. And so the churches of Macedonia, Corinth, Philippi, and others uh, in that area, they got together and said, we need to help our brothers and sisters out over there in Judea, over in Jerusalem. And so they came together. Paul initiated that offering, by the way. They came together and said, okay, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to get an offering together. And, and by the way, we get the basis for our faith promise giving from those two chapters, basically, especially the first five verses of chapter 8. And uh, so this was an opportunity that people had to give that was not going through necessarily, not going to necessarily the, uh, the local church. But notice what Paul says in verse 8 of uh, Second Thessalonians. Excuse me, I'm saying Thessalonians, aren't I? Corinthians, okay. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8, he says this. He says, I speak not by commandment. In other words, I'm not giving you a command. This is not a command from God. This is not an obligation. And I think we could interject there that Paul's saying this is an opportunity. And so he says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the frowardness that word forwardness, that means diligence or eagerness, by the eagerness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. 
And so what he's saying, this is, he says, I'm setting before you an opportunity to give, to help uh, these poor folks, these poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he says, by the way, it's a proof of your love, for the love of God, for, for your love for the brethren, your love for the ministry. And so there are opportunities that God presents to us to give. And I think we should take advantage of those opportunities to give. You say, well, I already give my tithe to the church. I, in fact, I, I give, and I give a faith promise to the church. Okay, that's fine. That's wonderful. But what about these other opportunities that God sets before us? Um, uh, if, if you're providing for your family and you're giving faithfully to your church and, and you still have money left over, what do you do with it? I think it's best to try to figure out, uh, figure out the best thing to do. The, 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 the most strategic way to spend the rest of our money is what we should be figuring uh, so that we'll be able to give a good account of what we give uh, to God and to the work of God at the judgment seat the last day when we stand before God. Perhaps you give more to your church because of the good things your church is doing, and that's fine. In fact, I hope that over time, as your income grows, that you're able to give a larger portion to your church each year. God wants us to not only grow in our hope and our faith and love. He wants us to grow also and to excel in our stewardship of giving. Uh, you still have your Bibles open there to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, perhaps. Look at the verse before the one we just read, verse 7. He says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. The grace he's talking about here is the grace of giving. See that ye abound in giving, in this grace of giving. And he calls it a grace because, uh, because our giving sometimes is, uh, is an extension of God's grace to somebody else. As we're willing to give, as God presents these opportunities to us. Uh, you, you might use your excess money to uh, maybe have a, a gathering in the community so you can meet people in your, in your neighborhood so you can get the gospel out to them. You might support a, a local homeless shelter or homeless shelter or missionaries overseas. You might lend your car to somebody who needs it for a day or so. Um, you could loan money to help a Christian friend that's struggling to get out of debt. There are a lot of ways that we can give. There are a lot of opportunities that God puts before us that we can be a blessing to somebody else is what I'm saying. And by the way, that last statement that I made about, about loaning, you could loan money to help a Christian friend struggling to get out of debt. Do you realize that there is a principle in the Bible that governs a loan that we give to a Christian brother? Anybody know what it is? Anybody want to help me with that? What, what is the principle of loaning to a Christian? I can't understand a word you're saying. Help me out. Don't expect something 
Well, that's, yeah. No, that's not exactly it, but it's close. No interest. Yes, sir. Don't pay, don't charge them interest. Christian friend comes to you and said, uh, says, uh, uh, brother, I wonder if I could, wonder if I could borrow $100 from you. Said, I have such a need here. I, I, I can pay you back. I, I know that I'm going to get a tax return here uh, in a few weeks, and, and I can pay you back. I said, could, could you help me out? And you say, sure. Um, it's going to cost you 20% interest. What a travesty that is. The Bible says that we should not charge interest to a Christian brother. Uh, let me give you the scripture that. Turn to Luke chapter 6. There are some Old Testament passages too I could give you, but, but since we're New Testament people <laughs> living in New Testament day, uh, let's, let's look at the New Testament. Turn to Luke chapter 6. And... Uh, it's uh, verses 34, 35, and 36. Here's what it says. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as, to receive as much again. Sinners do that, he says. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto, uh, unto the unthankful, and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful." under the Old Testament law. An Israelite was bound by the law not to charge interest uh, to someone that they had loaned money, a believer that they had not owned money, uh, a believer to whom they had owned, uh, owed money, or uh, loaned money, rather. Now, there's a lot of opportunities for us to give, and uh, your responsibility is determine how you can make the most out of those opportunities to the glory of God. Now, how should Christians give? This is the bulk of the lesson today. How should Christians, how should we give? And for this, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. How should we give? All right. Verse 2 is our text here. Let me go back to verse 1 to give you the context of it. Paul writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. And here's was, here's was, here was his instruction. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. There's that word store again, or storehouse as God has promised him that there be no gatherings when I come. All right, we'll just read those two verses. Let every one of you, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him 
in store as God has promised, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, how should a Christian give? Well, I want you to notice five biblical principles on how to give that are found here in this verse. So first of all, giving should be periodically. Periodically. Now, there's five P's here. I've alliterated these. Should be given periodically. You know, I'm a preacher. I, I, take, I, take, uh, uh, I take illiterate, illiter- I mean uh, illiterate, illiterate, not illiterate, license here to give points, okay? Periodically, we give. Upon the first day of the week. Oh, really? What's that? What day of the week is that? That's today, right? First day of the week is Sunday. And it always has been. Okay. In other words, we should give regularly. This is, uh, this is when the church gathered in Paul's day practiced it. This is when, this is when they gave uh, in, Paul, in the New Testament period. It was on Sunday. And uh, it was on Saturday in the Old Testament, the Sabbath. But um, in, in commemoration of the resurrection, uh, we, that's been changed to, the, to Sunday. It's, uh, Sunday has become the day of worship now, and it's the day that we give and, and, and so forth. But anyway, um, sometimes it seems that Christians are more willing to follow the IRS guidelines to give just before the end of the year rather than follow the biblical guidelines of giving regularly throughout the year. Let me ask you this question. Do you give the first fruits first? Or do you give out of whatever's left over at the end of the year? No, the Bible says do it on the first day of the week. And so that's the day that we, that we do it regularly, periodically we, do, we give. Um, <clears throat> some wait to the end of their life, you know, they put it in their will. Uh, but God says, no, give it weekly. Give it, give it periodically. Secondly, the second P, personally. Every one of you, it says, every one of you. Well, that's all of us. If you're a Christian, you need to get, in, you need to get in on this. That's what Paul's saying here. Hey, get in on this, folks. Every one of you. Now, I'm going to be very transparent with you here right now. Uh, it, took me, it took me a while to get, get, to get uh, comfortable with this principle. As a matter of fact, I didn't start tithing until I started pastoring. And to be honest with you, I started tithing because the only reason I started tithing was not, not that I was convinced that, that I ought to be tithing, but that's what was expected of me as a pastor. Yeah, your pastor's guilty. I mean, your former pastor's guilty, you know. And, and, and I, I, you see, I was, I, the church I was brought up in, we were never taught about giving. We were not, not even taught about tithing. In fact, I don't ever recall, and there may have been some messages that I don't recall, but I don't ever recall anything ever being preached about giving in the church that I attended when I, when I was brought up. 
And so giving to me was a strange thing. And uh, I didn't really hear much about it until I went to college. And uh, my first pastor was when I was in seminary. And uh, my wife and I, week on weekends, went to a church up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and helped the pastor up there in a small church. And that church was, uh, uh, that pastor was killed tragically in an airplane accident. And so the church said, uh, said, Brother Coles, uh, why don't you become our pastor? And so I agreed to that. Uh, but I, I wasn't giving. I wasn't tithing. I, yeah, I wasn't even tithing. And, uh, and then I, I, I thought, you know, uh, I know these people expect their pastor to tithe, so I better give a tithe. I better tithe. And so that's, that's when I started giving. And uh, I, I was never taught the blessings that you get from giving. And I didn't know anything. And, and it wasn't until I started giving that I realized, you know, God blesses this. It was amazing to us how God provided for us. I was, a col I was paying a college tuition and... Uh, and uh, I didn't have two nickels to rub together hardly, but I found, you know, to my amazement, I always had two nickels to rub together when I started giving. Where'd it come from? I don't have a clue. But it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I, I saw how God blessed, even though I gave with the wrong motivation. And, uh, and start, got into this with wrong motivation, I began to see, you know, God, God is true. He keeps his word. It works. And, uh, and so, uh, so I, I, I learned that maybe I should give a little more. And, uh, and so I did. So anyway... Um, we are responsible to give, every one of us. We cannot assume that just because we're a part of a church that gives, that we are a part of that giving. You know, if we sit in the congregation of a church that's a giving church and we don't, we don't participate in that giving activity, uh, we're not giving. Uh, we're just a part of an organization that's giving. And, and we kind of get the, uh, we kind of get the, outside drippings of God's blessing as a result of that. But we don't get the blessing of it personally like we should. And so it should be personal. Third, uh, third P, planned. P-L-A-N-N-E-D, planned. Lay by him in store, it says. We should get deliberate. We should get deliberate thought to our giving. Paul says to put aside our money, lay it by in store. And when we plan our budgets, we should plan our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Think about it. Plan on it. Plan it. This is a decision. Um, decision to pray and to think about it it's a decision to make it it's not a decision to make on the spur of the moment on sunday morning it's planned and then letter d 
uh, the fourth P, progressively. We should give progressively. And here's, and here's, the, here's the thing that I really want to get across to you this morning if I can. As God has prospered him. That's, I believe, is the New Testament principle. Now, if you tithe, that's a good starting place. That's what they did in the Old Testament. And that's fine. That's a good starting place. And, and I believe that most Christians, uh, New Testament Christians, I believe in this dispensations, that most people start there to give at least 10% of their income back to God. But that should just be a starting point for us. You say, preacher, uh, you're going to put me in the poorhouse. No, <laughs> that's not my intent. That's not God's intent. And so progressively, as God prospered him, we should give according to our means. Paul says a Christian should give as God has prospered him. The more God prospers us, the more we should give. Presumably, the more God prospers us, the higher portion we can give. Let me give you an example. Let me read this. Let's say that believer A has an annual income of $30,000. Now, uh, this, was in our, this was in the handout, so, uh, so you could have it, but maybe you can visualize it. Believer A, uh, his income is $30,000 a year. Believer B receives an income of $60,000 annually. Both give 10% of their income, with everything else being equal. As believer B, who makes $60,000, given progressively. Careful how you answer that. No, he has not. After believer A uh, has given 10% of his $30,000 income, he's left with how much? $27,000, right? And believer B, after he's given 10% of his $60,000, he's left with $54,000, which is twice as much as what believer A had. Okay? Follow me. Um, I lost my place here. Actually, um, believer B, who makes $60,000, could give 20% and still have $20,000 more than believer A has. Are you with me? Remember that generosity is not marked by how much you give. It's marked by how much you have left after you give. Think of how much good a billionaire could do if they were willing to give, uh, give, uh, give to God through his church um, and, and others uh, as, as God has prospered him. Think of that. Some of the billionaires we have nowadays don't give anything to the Lord. Uh, they may give to some charities for the tax break, you know, whatever. But, uh, but think of that. Or even a millionaire. Think of how much they could really do if they would give according as God prospers them. A millionaire doesn't need a million dollars to live on during the course of a year. 
Oh, he may put himself in a condition where he's got to have that much, you know, buy these big mansions and everything, and, you know, uh, okay. But, um, but our giving to God should be as God has prospered us, as God has prospered us. Now, think of how much you could do if you were willing to, to give to God as God has prospered you. Now, I, I realize that uh, the Bible also provides for us for savings and giving an inheritance. In fact, the Bible, uh, Bible speaks about giving an inheritance to our children's children, our grandchildren. I realize that. See, God doesn't want us to live in poverty. But as God prospers us, we don't need all the prosperity that comes our way. Uh, we can take out some and put it in savings. We can take out some for uh, inheritance to our, our children and so forth. As God prospers us, uh, uh, we don't need... Most of us don't, uh, most of us, I, I don't know what your income, what your financial stability or, uh, status is, but uh, a lot of us don't need everything that we've stashed away. We don't need it. God has prospered us. Why not give it back to God and let God put it to good use? Doesn't that make sense? I see one or two going this way. I see some others just staring. <laughs> but I want you to think about it. It's okay if you stare. That's fine. That means you're thinking. But think about that. Think of what God could do with what we have if we just be willing to recognize it. It belongs to God anyway. He just made me a good steward over it. Or he just made me a steward over it. And I want to be a good steward of it. Think of what we could do for the cause of Christ. Well, let's uh, move on. Oh, my goodness. I'm three minutes over time right now. Let me see. I've got one more P to give you. Now, let me give you that, okay? And we'll go. The last one is promptly. Promptly. Give promptly. That there be no gatherings when I come. Our giving should be done in due season. Timely giving is important to the plan of God. I hope it has occurred to you that God is working out His will for your life and your spiritual growth. And since God is sovereign in all things, it is critical that we don't make Him wait on our willingness to be obedient to give to His work. God could do without us. He could carry on His schedule without us. But it is, to, it is to our wonderment that he has elected to use us for exactly that. Carrying out his will, his plan. You know, God has made us a part of his plan. And we ought to thank God for that. And a part of his plan is to use us to give. To give. When the Apostle Paul what the Apostle Paul is really saying to, to the Corinthians is this. Don't keep me waiting for your obedience. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a critical matter that needs your attention now. God may have a project that needs, that needs your help in funding it right now. 
It may be a critical need. Someone may perish and go to hell if we delay. Some missionary may have, may be a, may have a desperate need now that God needs our help to help fund that missionary. And I believe that we could put those words in Jesus' mouth. Let there be no gatherings when I come. Well, <clears throat> I, cl I close with this. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Jesus, these are, these are Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege, the opportunities, the obligations that you place before us in our giving. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn a principle beyond the principle of the tithe, and that is to give as you have prospered us. Help us, Lord, to be willing to be to be willing to share with you what you have prospered us with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.